0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club.
1: Welcome to the Commonwealth Club. My name is Dr. Patrick O'Reilly. I'm chair of the Psychology Forum, and I'm absolutely delighted to introduce our tonight's speaker, Ms. Seth Brisk. Uh, He is the Anti-Defamation League Central Pacific Regional Director, serving Northern California, Utah, and Hawaii. Mr. Brisk is a former provisional delegate to the State Department's Committee on Religious Freedom Abroad and a representative to the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. In 2013, the Republic of Poland conferred upon him the rank of Officer of the Order of Merit. And um, there will be 15 minutes at the end of his presentation for questions. So please put your questions to the YouTube text chat and they will be forwarded to me. So, with no, so Mr. Brisk, uh, The floor is yours, thank you.
0: Thank you, Patrick. And uh, I wanna thank the Commonwealth Club for having me today to talk about this very important topic. Um, And uh, I'm gonna violate a cardinal rule of public speaking, which is I'm going to apologize to all of you from the start, which is to say that I'm going to be showing you some very distressing images and um, just want everyone to be prepared for that. So now I'll share my screen and we'll get started. We live in an era of emboldened extremists from a range of movements. They are increasingly skilled at exploiting technology to recruit and radicalize followers. What you see here is an image from Telegram, which is an encrypted messaging service. This is one of several communication platforms extremists use. Tonight, I will outline some approaches to an understanding of extremism. Some of the recent trends we see and on the ground actions we monitor. Now, I wanna be clear from the outset. Uh, at this time, ADL is not aware of any credible threats of violence. And nevertheless, as extremists have become more bold, it is prudent that we maintain a heightened awareness, even as we avoid fear and paranoia. So be vigilant, be observant, stay informed, and confront hatred by taking precautions, living your life, reporting incidents, among other actions. In brief, speak up, show strength, and share facts. Now the organization that I represent ADL was founded in 1913. Here you see an image from our original charter. It mandates our work to, quote, stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all, end quote. It's a dual mission, particular and universal, which has always inspired and informed ADL's work. Studies have shown that hate rarely confines itself to targeting one community. When people believe a lie, promote a conspiracy, or engage in a stereotype about one group, they will about others. If it helps, think of Pastor Martin Niemöller's uh, famous post-Holocaust reflection. First, they came for the socialists, but I did not speak up because, uh, because I was not a socialist. In other words, Preventing hate and extremism requires acting against all forms of bias and bigotry, proactively and reactively through a variety of means. We all have bias. It is hardwired into our brains through evolution. We process millions of bits of information on a constant basis. As hunter-gatherers, bias provided shortcuts to determine if a noise was a potential source of food or if we were about to become a meal. Today, in a socially interconnected environment, bias can manifest in harmful ways. What you see here is ADL's pyramid of hate. It's a visual reminder of the importance of disrupting hate at its earliest moments. It helps to explain how bias grows and is at the heart of our anti-bias education training. Like the large bottom section of the pyramid, we all have biased attitudes, some implicit, some explicit. Biased attitudes may manifest through stereotyping, microaggressions, language, etc. Moving up a level, fewer people will act on their bias through bullying, slurs, or even humor. Fewer people still will engage in unlawful acts of discrimination and a small fringe will commit violence to express their bias. On rare occasions and unchecked by legal, moral, or other restraints, extreme bias can lead to genocide. Of course, not everyone who holds a biased attitude will go on to commit genocide. Though those who do will pass through the other levels of the pyramid on the way. It helps us conceptualize that words matter. In describing the infamous Nazi concentration in death camp where over 1 million people were murdered, Holocaust survivor and ADL former national director Abe Foxman says, quote, Auschwitz was not built with bricks. It was built with words, End quote. Society needed to dehumanize and demonize people before they would permit or participate as their colleagues, neighbors, and even friends were rounded up and carted off for extermination. Fighting extremism and hate has never been more important. Our staff monitors, exposes, and disrupts extremist threats and activity on the ground and online. We share our expertise and support with law enforcement, the tech industry, policymakers, and the public. As ADL's research and investigative arm, the Center on Extremism, is a clearinghouse of real-time information about extremism and hate of all types. Our staff regularly serve as expert witnesses, provide congressional testimony, and speak to national and international audiences about the threats posed by extremism. Our work is both proactive and reactive, flagging information, chatter, and incidents, identifying symbols and trends, or providing expertise to assist ongoing investigations testifying on Capitol Hill regarding extremists in the military, funding sources, or the internationalization of white nationalism. At other times, we unpack a narrative or explain a movement or a subculture. Now, in our work, we go where the hate is. In this case, hate is increasingly living on the internet. And that's why we established the Center on Technology and Society. In the age of social media, we see virtual hate migrate and constantly change. But regardless of the space, these groups use technology to reach, recruit, and radicalize from online to on the street. Some quote unquote, innovative ways extremists use technology to spread hate include disinformation efforts designed to sow fear and anxiety or accentuating divisions between groups. They recruit or they indoctrinate. It gives them access to a global community. It also provides the power of cover and anonymity. They also use it to conduct extremist activity in and of itself. Some examples are robo calls. For example, telling people that their information will be used for immigration checks or that an election line is too long and that they should vote another day after the election is already over. They will target religious institutions with swatting, falsified calls to law enforcement to instigate aggressive armed police response, frightening the community or they will even live stream, live stream terror attacks. So at this point, let's talk about the hate. What do the numbers tell us? At ADL, we measure hate in a variety of ways. We conduct attitudinal surveys through a set of questions we developed with social scientists at UC Berkeley beginning in 1964. At that time, 29% of Americans held anti-Semitic attitudes. Over time, the number declined and in recent years it has remained relatively stable at around 13%. Now attitudes do not equate with actions. And so for that we produce an annual audit. So here are the results of ADL's audit of anti-Semitic incidents over the past decade. These measure lawful and illegal incidents. They include harassment, vandalism and assaults. Our 2020 report is not yet complete. So, the latest available number is from the 2019 audit. That year, as you can see by this graph, marked the highest total in over 40 years of measurement. It was a 12% year over year increase. And the two preceding years were also among the highest on record. Within those totals, ADL recorded 270 anti Semitic attacks um, attributed to known extremist groups or individuals inspired by extremist ideology. This represents 13% of the total number of incidents. In 2019 assaults doubled from the prior year and there were increases in all of the measured categories. Now the audit does not account for generalized online hate which is not particularly directed at an individual. There's simply too much volume. For that, we are developing an online hate index, which is a tool we will use to examine the scope and nature of hate. We generally think of online extremism and hate related to traditional social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. And to be sure, they are important in the discussion about the spread and proliferation of hate. However, there are many ways online hate is expressed. Here we see screen grabs of Zoom bombing incidents, ADL was one of the first to identify and document this trend and worked with Zoom to improve security settings to reduce this new form of harassment. Andrew Aurenheimer is pictured here. He's the administrator of a website called the Daily Stormer, a neo-Nazi website, and a hate innovator. He was also responsible for the mass firing of racist and anti-Semitic content in 2016 that struck at over 50,000 unsecured printers on college campuses across the country. In essence, he recognized that colleges would not attach a password to a networked computer for the use of graduate students and professors. So he logged in to each of these printers and directed them to print an anti-Semitic and racist flyer at his behest. This activity, while incredibly effective for his extremist uh, ends, was not illegal. Gaming plays a huge role in American life. According to the Entertainment Software Association, 75% of American households include at least one gamer and the video game industry generates more money annually than the film and music industries combined. ADL's 2019 nationally representative survey of Americans who play online multiplayer games found that 23% of respondents were exposed to extremist white supremacist ideology in online games. Here, you see a screenshot taken from one of the most popular games in the Nintendo game system, Animal Crossing, which is clearly designed for young people and used, in this case, as an instrument of intimidation. One in three American adults report being subjected to severe online harassment, and it takes various forms. Doxing, which is the publication of public documents of an individual, like their home address, the schools where their children attend, or other public documents as a form of harassment. Swatting, which we mentioned before, the calling of police with the intent of eliciting an armed response, like a SWAT team, and has led to one documented killing. Deep fakes are the manipulation of video to create synthetic media, audio, video, or photos, as was once done to Speaker Nancy Pelosi Pelosi to make it appear she had a cognitive issue or the slurring of her speech. In most circumstances and in many states, this activity is not illegal. ADL has a campaign to close the online loophole for hate and extremism called Backspace Hate. In 2020, we succeeded in passing a statute in the state of Washington to criminalize swatting. So let's look at crime committed in the name of hate and extremism. So here you see the total from the last year on record, 2019. And as we will see, hate crimes are on the rise in the last three years on record. They are becoming more violent and more deadly. In 2020, although the hate crime statistics are not available yet, domestic extremists killed at least 17 people in the United States in 15 separate incidents. This represents a significant decrease from the 45 extremist related murders in 2019 and the 54 murders of 2018. But in fact, it is the lowest yearly total since 2004. The pandemic aside, the main reason extremist-related murders in 2020 declined is because of an absence of a mass shooting or other mass mass casualty attack, like the 2019 El Paso Walmart shooting or the 2018 synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. The lower murder rate does not mean that extremists were less active. For example, 16 right-wing extremist-related terrorist plots or attacks occurred in 2020, which is an increase over 2019. Similarly, there were over 4,500 incidents of white supremacist propaganda distribution in the United States in 2020. And that's compared to only 2,724 in the prior year. As with most of the past 30 years, the extremist-related murders of 2020 were overwhelmingly associated with right-wing extremists. All but one of the incidents were tied to right-wing extremism, and over half were linked to white supremacists. The remaining murder was committed in the name of left-wing extremism. And as for the second year in the row, there were no killings linked to domestic Salafist or jihadist extremism. Five of the 2020 murders were committed by anti-government extremists, including two people killed by adherents of a relatively new Boogaloo movement. At least four killings in 2020 were connected to white supremacist prison gangs and all but two of the victims in these killings were killed with firearms. Guns are the weapon of choice for the majority of extremist related killings in every year since 2014. Now there is a consistency of hate. You can see here year upon year, the race of an individual or institution or the perceived race of the individual or institution is by far the most targeted category gay men are typically second most targeted and jews are typically third most targeted however it is very important to add that each year underreporting remains a significant issue the federal hate crime statistics act does not mandate reporting by law enforcement agencies it is a voluntary program moreover there can be differing standards for reporting for example in the state of hawaii they only who only recently began reporting because they only considered an incident a hate crime if it was convicted under the statute. So vandalism that clearly appeared to have hate as a a motivating factor um, or other violent acts, if an individual was not apprehended and prosecuted successfully under the statute, they would not report a hate crime incident. Moreover, there remains inconsistent training of law enforcement. So hate crime is not always recognized appropriately or investigated. And finally, the targets themselves may not report a hate crime owing to a variety of factors, including the mistrust of police, fear of retaliation, concerns about immigration status, or concerns that another crime may be more worthy of pursuing. You'll see here uh, not available categories which are listed due to changes in how hate crimes are reported and the improvement of inclusivity when considering who is targeted by hate. The online environment is one major motivating factor in the emboldening of hate and extremism in recent years that we've seen. And while the absolute number of extremists may not be growing significantly, they have become more emboldened for other reasons. Looking back at the Unite the Right rally in August of 2017, we saw real world mobilization of extreme actors. Unite the Right was one of the largest public extremist rallies in the last decade. And it was at this event that extremists revealed themselves. You follow that trail to the current day and extremists feel emboldened, stepping out of the shadows and into the mainstream. We have documented white supremacists engaging in unprecedented outreach efforts on American college campuses. and We've witnessed the unabashed um, embrace of anti-Semitic and racist conspiracy theories. The results are deadly. Now, Even as we don't have the federal hate crime statistics, we do have uh, some incidents to be able to report. In 2020, in the midst of the global pandemic and stay at home orders, there was related bigotry, particularly targeting the Asian and Jewish communities. We also recall the murder of George Floyd, recorded on a smartphone, being lynched for over eight minutes and 46 seconds. The resulting Black Lives Matter protests throughout the summer were overwhelmingly peaceful, though some did devolve into violence. And echoing the 2016 cycle, a deeply contentious election characterized by harsh political discourse, vitriol, and conspiracy theories added flame to the fire. There were other protests, including mounting anger at perceived government overreach in the name of public health. We saw the rise of anti-government Boogaloo movement calling for civil war. Civil War, several plots were exposed and murders resulted. Vigilantism escalated, as in the case of 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with murdering two men. There was an alleged militia plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, which was exposed and included a plan B to take over the Capitol to stage a week-long series of televised executions of public officials. And while most counter demonstrations were peaceful, there were instances of violence. Many counter-protesters identified as Antifa, or short for anti-fascists, a loose collection of groups, networks, and individuals who believe in active physical opposition to far right-wing movements. Their presence at protests intended to intimidate and dissuade racists, but the use of violence by some Antifa against their adversaries did create a vicious, self-defeating cycle of attacks, counter-attacks, and blame, producing dangerous and counterproductive results. In 2020 domestic, excuse me, I've already done that part. Um, So we continue to contend with violence aimed at marginalized communities and religious institutions across the denominational spectrum, including plots and attacks against churches, mosques, temples, and synagogues. A few examples, in April of 2020, In Assumption, Illinois, federal agents charged white supremacist Randall Burns with weapons offenses in connection with an alleged plot to attack a synagogue or mosque. August 2020, Yosef Barasne, a member of the neo-Nazi group The Base, pled guilty to a 2019 targeting of a synagogue in Racine, Wisconsin. Barasne agreed to threaten and intimidate African-Americans and Jews, who the group viewed as enemies of the white race, as part of a larger plot called Operation Kristallnacht, a reference to the 1938 Nazi pogrom in Germany. October of 2020, white supremacist Richard Holzer pled guilty to plotting to bomb a Pueblo, Colorado synagogue. Holzer also encouraged acts of violence against Jews in the Latinx community. Holzer allegedly met undercover agents at a motel in November of 2019, planning to ignite explosives at the synagogue the following morning on November 2nd. Undercover agents brought two pipe bombs and seven sticks of dynamite, all of them inert, which Holzer intended to use in his attack. He called the plan his, quote, mountain, and referred to Jews in the synagogue as a, quote, cancer. November of 2020, Connor Climo admitted to planning violent attacks against the Anti-Defamation League, a Las Vegas synagogue, and the LGBTQ friendly bar uh, in the area. He was ordered to serve two years in federal prison. In June 2019, ADL's Center on, it, on Extremism provided law enforcement officials with warnings about Clima's online threats against synagogues and information about the neo-Nazi Fuhrer division. June 2019, authorities in Northern California arrested Ross Farca on state felony criminal threats and weapons charges. They acted on an anonymous tip sent to the Concord, California Police Department, flagging a potential imminent threat. The criminal complaint states that Farca used the handle Adolf Hitler, six million. And he encompassed um, the six million in multiple parentheses which is a white supremacist uh, symbol to draw attention to something that is perceived to be Jewish. He repeatedly posted online threats against quote, high value Jewish targets and police officers and praised the Christchurch mosque shooter as a hero boasting of his violent plans, quote, want to see a mass shooting with a body count of over 30 subhumans, end quote. The platform hosting these, these threats, STEAM, is the leading storefront and social media platform for PC games. If the past is prelude, we need to take extremists at their word. Online extremists have called for continued violence, targeting law enforcement and elected officials, and optimizing on the now or never momentum following the January 6th insurrection. There are calls to, quote, shoot politicians and encourage a, quote, armed struggle and a continuation of calls for, quote, a race war. Several 4chan posters, this is another uh, platform that is a favorite of extremists, have suggested that the violence on January 6th was only a preview of what pro-Trump extremists would unleash on the country on inauguration day. Of course, that didn't come to pass, but there is some concern that March 4th, which is the original date of inauguration, as mentioned in the Constitution, may prove to be a date to target some action on the part of extremists. Again, we have no direct uh, information or specific threat available um, concerning any attacks on March 4th. Conspiracies about the election and the now and the, and the insurrection also continue to circulate. They include the notion that Antifa provoc- provocateurs led the charge into the Capitol or claims that Ashley Babbitt is actually alive. This is the woman who was killed inside the Capitol building um, and that she is really a crisis actor in addition to other potentially dangerous misinformation. Violent hatred can quickly migrate from the virtual space to the real world. We've seen very clearly extremist rhetoric translated into real-world violent action. Recent past examples include an alleged member of the Atomwaffen uh, Division, which is named after a a Nazi uh, division in the military, charged with the murder of Blaise Bernstein, or the assailant in the Tree of Life mass murder in Pittsburgh, who posted his views and hinted at his motivations and intentions just prior to the attack. And pictured here is Timothy Wilson, who was killed by FBI agents as he was on his way to attack a hospital. He thought it would give him the best opportunity to kill a group of marginalized people. Wednesday, January 6th, 2021, pro-Trump extremists, including many identified right-wing extremists, stormed the US Capitol building, interrupting the congressional session to affirm the electoral college count, enforcing the evacuation of the vice president, speaker and members of both houses of Congress. The nation watched the chaos unfold, including scenes of the mob on the Senate floor in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office and overtaking the Capitol steps. Five people died that day, three from medical emergencies and one pro-Trump extremist was shot inside the Capitol. Later an officer succumbed to his injury allegedly inflicted on him by a protester who smashed a fire extinguisher against his head. Two other police officers committed suicide in ensuing days, possibly due to PTSD. Ideology, disinformation, mob mentality, and a deep sense of purpose all swirled together. But anyone who had been paying attention to extremist activity across the country or to the chorus of disinformation and hatred rampant across white-wing media and its social media counterparts could have expected the outcome. In fact, ADL issued a report on January 4th warning of the potential danger. Many of the people who were roused to violence at the Capitol are the product of weeks, months and years of incitement. Conspiracies are the lifeblood driving the current extremist landscape. Conspiracy theorists and even some mainstream conservative media pushed wild ideas like the debunked Sharpie Gate Theory, which claimed that voters in Arizona had used pens that could not be read by vote counting machines. Some believers blamed the voting machines themselves, claiming without evidence that the Dominion Voting Systems, uh, which is a company that sells voting equipment, had deleted millions of votes. This theory eventually made its way to Donald Trump who tweeted it out in all caps. Provocateurs like Alex Jones, who's shown here with a bullhorn, dispense a wide range of bizarre beliefs, speaking at rally after rally. He talks about a shadowy cabal that is manipulating the world, seeking to strip Americans of their freedoms and render themselves, render them slaves. At the Stop the Steal, Washington, D.C., November rally, Alex Jones screamed, quote, death to the new world order, death to tyranny and life to America and our unborn children the pedophile globalists and their attempted election steal and the Clinton blackmail rings have only summoned the sleeping giant that is America." Unquote. QAnon is a wide ranging conspiracy theory popular among a range of right-wing extremists and even some public supporters of President Trump and now members of Congress. QAnon is first and foremost an online trolling and disinformation movement attracting thousands of believers. Adherents followed the anonymous Q and believe world governments are being controlled by a shadowy cabal of pedophiles who will eventually be brought to justice by Donald Trump. Ultimately, the conspiracy actively sows distrust in democratic institutions. They paint Trump as a messianic warrior battling deep state Satanists. Now, not all QAnon adherents are inherently extremists, but this is a dangerous theory that has inspired violent activity. In this backdrop of swirling disinformation, there's a sense of loss, that something rightfully earned was taken away. The conspiracy that the election was stolen both animates and ignites those that feel wronged. According to their rationale, the government is not legitimate and therefore anti-government action is. Moreover, acting against the government is perceived not only as justified, but necessary. And so extreme right-wing identifiers were on full display in Washington, DC on January 5th and 6th. These images are taken from footage and photos. Some of these symbols were on shirts, flags, hats, stickers, linking to right-wing extremists across the spectrum. We see here a few of them. Most notably, uh, the following groups, the three percenters, which is an anti-government extremist group, They derive their name from a um, disproved theory that only 3% of the American colonists took part in the Revolutionary War. They uh, style themselves as revolutionaries in that same vein. And so you see they use things like the original United States flag, the Betsy Ross flag, doctored with their symbol of 3%. Um, They also use uh, the term and the phrase 1776, again, all hearkening back to the notion that they are the ones who are um, ex- exemplifying the revolutionary spirit um, and um, throwing off the shackles of tyranny. You also see here the Oath Keepers, which is a malicious style group that targets law enforcement and military members. Um, in particular, they believe that they should be keeping the oath of their office, which is to protect and defend America against enemies, foreign and domestic. They believe that there are some of those domestic enemies here today that they need to, true to their oath, fight back against um, through their militia. And also, there's the Proud Boys, which you see uh, displayed here and which I'll discuss in a moment. Those three groups were were prominent um, and may have been um, organizing in some fashion the events that unfolded in the Capitol that day. Now, of course, there's also the QAnon conspiracy theory, which we talked about. This secret cabal is their theory, the secret cabal that manipulates power and control um, and, and tries to um, manipulate things in ways that only a certain um, enlightened leader, in this case, Donald Trump, uh, can fight back against. We also saw evidence of the white supremacist Gruyper Army who led chants of, quote, America first, and quote, Christ is king, as well as other groups like the NSC, a neo-Nazi group with a small autonomous regional chapters in the United States and also abroad. Or Keck, you see here the Keck flag, which is styled after a a, a Nazi flag. It's a fabricated deity, Keck. Um, It's semi-ironic, viewed somewhat as a religion, and it's embraced by alt-right white supremacists. Um, we also see other, other smaller groups that were identified that day. Um, you see the F around and find out uh, cap of one of the, the people on display and also the New Jersey European Heritage Association. The Proud Boys. Now they represent an unconventional strain of American right-wing extremism. While the group can be described as violent, nationalistic, Islamophobic, transphobic and misogynistic Its members represent a range of ethnic backgrounds, and its leaders vehemently protest any allegations of racism. Their founder, Gavin McInnes, went so far as to file a defamation lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center when the SPLC designated the Proud Boys as a hate group. They operate as a fraternity. They call themselves male chauvinists, Western chauvinists, excuse me. their ideology is primarily alt light misogynistic, as I said, Islamophobic, transphobic, anti-immigrant. Some members do espouse white supremacy, but an anti-Semitic ideology and engage with white supremacist groups, but some do not. Uh, among their notable characteristics, the members frequently wear black and yellow Fred Perry style polo shirts. Um, and here, as you can see on that day at the Capitol, they distinguish themselves by wearing orange caps. Proud Boys have chapters in most states um, and several international chapters, including in Great Britain, Norway, and Australia. Their membership is controlled through local chapter leadership and is subject to initiation rituals. Um, And in fact, there is some um, argument over who is the leader of the Proud Boys nationally um, after there's been some some, um, controversy over Enrique Tarrio, who's the current leader, um, potentially being seen as someone who cooperated with law enforcement in the past. Their tactics involved involving in public rallies and protests, and their members have been known to engage in violent tactics, and several members have been convicted of violent crimes. And here I pointed out in this image, not only do you see the Proud Boys distinguished by those orange caps, but they're also flashing the okay sign. Now, the okay sign can simply be a sign for okay. Context in examining extremists and extremist symbols is always important. But in this case, uh, the OK symbol is a, is a um, white power symbol. If You think about the way that the hand forms, it, look, it forms the shape of the W and the P for white power. Of the 212 individuals identified by ADL Center on Extremism at the Capitol that day, 52, or about 25%, have ties to known right-wing extremist groups. Again, those include <clears throat> The Oath Keepers, um, Proud Boys, Groipers, Three Percenters, and QAnon Conspiracy Theory. Now, during the rallies, one of the greatest sources of intelligence information for us on what was happening on the ground were the number of live stream feeds. This is another way that technology plays into the emboldening um, and the increasing of extremism and extremist Uh, um, action. Some of the extremists broadcast on an array of platforms, including DLive, Periscope, Facebook Live, Twitch, and Instagram. It's notable that there are performative elements of extremism. They weaponize the technology to expand their reach, but also fuels this hateful subculture, while at the same time enveloping those engaged in this virtual community with a sense of belonging. Live streamers will banter with one another. They will interact with posts on their chat from their followers. They're egged on to engage in specific acts or in racism or anti-Semitic hateful behavior. And in some cases, they will cash in. Followers will donate to their live stream in exchange for a particular shout out of a phrase or their ideology. And here you see images of some of the specific individuals that our Center on Extremism has identified um, and provided to law enforcement. I just heard this morning that um, as of today, over 270 individuals have been apprehended who took part in the storming of the Capitol on the day of the insurrection. So invariably the question is what can be done and what should you do? Well, as I said at the outset, We encourage you to speak up, to share facts, to show strength. Um, And there are a number of tools that ADL can provide to help you. Um, And there are a number of other agencies and organizations that can also help. Um, Here you see something called the PROTECT plan, which is a new plan that ADL has developed. PROTECT is an acronym, it stands for P, Prioritize Preventing and Countering Domestic uh, Domestic Terrorism, R, resource according to the threat o oppose extremists in government service T taking domestic ex- domestic terrorism prevention measures e ending the complicity of social media in facilitating extremism C creating an independent clearinghouse for online extremist content and T targeting foreign white supremacist terrorist groups now, It may sound like a misnomer, but it is true that white supremacy and, in fact, white nationalism has become an international movement. There are ways in which the movement communicates, shares ideas, ideology, what they would consider best practices with one another in order to further radicalize one another and draw from one another's strength. It's another way in which not only the Internet, but also um, extremism itself can breed further extremism. Um, Another thing that you can do is to respond to hate, Um, and this here we have an online comprehensive guide, which concerns steps that you can take, and also lists a number of the organizations that can help when when individuals are confronted with hate incidents and hate crimes. It explains the difference between a hate incident and a hate crime, um, and where people can go, and lists a number of different uh, community organizations that may be involved. This guide is also translated into Spanish, and again, is free to download online at the ADL website. And we've also translated it into Arabic. And sadly, in our interconnected world, we must remember to consider how hate affects children. Recall the image from the children's video game that you saw earlier in the presentation. ADL has guided age appropriate discussions and lesson plans, and bibliographies to help parents, teachers, and children process hate. So it's important to be able to speak about these things with children because invariably they hear about it through friends on social media, uh, through their own explorations on social media, if not through direct um, encounters with the hate. And please remember to report hate whenever and wherever it may occur to law enforcement and to an agency like ADL that tracks bias incidents. Lawful, even lawful expressions of bigotry may be connected to criminal activity or may be a harbinger of a hate crime. Reporting hate can assist investigators or policymakers. ADL has this online portal, adl.org report, where you may report anonymously, upload screenshots or photos, and help us to track hate in the community. And again, I would encourage you to let the experts decide. You may be encountering hate. It may be a lawful expression. It may be something that was said to you. But that turn of phrase, that flyer, um, that utterance that you encountered may actually be part of a broader pattern. And if we don't know about the occurrence of these incidents, we cannot necessarily connect the dots and and, uh, be able to find ways to stand up against the hate. So speak up share facts, and show strength. And you don't have to be an expert. Um, sometimes standing up to hate can be as simple as saying, I'm not okay with this. Um, it's not all right with me. Um, walking away, telling somebody in an online chat, what you're saying is bigoted and I'm not gonna take part in this. Um, that's very important because invariably in a situation like that, and this happens whether it's a bullying on a schoolyard or whether it's online harassment among adults, the person who is, who is the aggressor believes that with the silence of other people in attendance, that they have the support of the group. And the person who is the target invariably believes that they are being targeted, not just by that individual, by everybody else who's being silent. So when you stand up and speak up, even to say, it's not okay with me, and I'm not taking part in this, you give hope to the person who's being targeted, and you push back against the person who's doing the aggression. So thank you very much. I appreciate the time and the opportunity to address this important topic and I look forward to answering your questions
1: and uh, Mr. Brisk, thank you very, very much. Yours was truly a uh, an extremely important and illuminating presentation and And we do have some questions for you in the time that's that 's left over. Um, if you just give me a moment well, first of all, do you see people like? the former President Trump, Stephen Miller, Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson is kind of modern day versions of Father Coughlin, Henry Ford, Charles Lindbergh?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to give, draw too many historical comparisons. Um, I think that that's, uh, that can sometimes be a distraction to the issue at hand.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, I think we have, in the case of uh, some of these figures today, we have a different world. Um, so that you know, social media provides this this broad platform for people to be able to um, influence uh, folks on a mass scale, and it's uh-huh. it's completely unfiltered and it's completely unfettered. Um, so um, I I do think that the that some of the things that they represent um, are very dangerous, but I also think that there's a, there are some differences. Um, one of them being, uh, I, I think there are some um, specific and distinct ideological underpinnings to the worldview of people like a Father Conklin that you don't necessarily see in a Donald Trump um, or in some of these other figures. Um, And so they may be, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity of mobilizing people for other purposes. Um, You know, white supremacy is a very specific ideological construct. Um, It has some some, um, very specific uh, beliefs that form its, its underpinnings. And um, and I think it's important to differentiate that from people who simply um, traffic in conspiracy theories or lies. Now, to be sure, those are those are detrimental um, and those are harmful, um, and they lay the groundwork for extremism. But they aren't necessarily extremism in and of themselves.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, the next question we have here: Are game game co- uh, companies really aware of what is happening, and what are they and what are they doing about it? Well,
0: many of them are. We've been, we've been um, embarking on an effort to increasingly make gaming companies aware of the ways in which their platforms are being used and misused. Um, you know, gaming platforms are are very difficult because, especially in um, in some of the platforms that use multiplayer games um, that are associated with uh, online video chatting and the like, um, it may be difficult to impossible to track the chat that's that's going on. Um, or be able to moderate the content that's, that is going in there. Um, so we have been reporting these um, to gaming uh, sites um, and to some of, the, some of the providers that are involved in this work. Um, okay. So I'm thinking of groups like Twitch and Steam and, and some of these other providers, um, but it's something that's worth noting and something that people in the general public should be aware of because when you see, for instance, a child or, or a young adult who's engaged in video gaming, you may not necessarily realize that there are ways in which this can be a method for um, recruiting, uh, a method for indoctrination, a method for misinformation. And so it's important, um, as with any other aspect of your online life of your child or or people that you care about, to be involved in that online life and be aware of what it is that they're doing and saying.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, Another question is, uh, why aren't social media companies doing more about hate.
0: <laughs> well, there are some. They have taken some steps, um, but they can go much, much further. Um, and there are a variety of reasons why. So, first and foremost, we talk about social media companies as platforms. Now, the 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 corning of that phrase is specific, and it's and it's purposeful, um, because originally in the development of um, code that was uh, computer code that was shared among developers, a platform was something where a person would develop a code, they would post it up into a a forum where other people could add onto it. The notion being that once you did that as a platform and as the the new code was added on, it no longer was your own, it no longer became something that you were responsible for. So the use of this term is very purposeful. It's the notion that, um, and an allusion to, that social media companies um, want to view themselves as not being responsible for the content that comes onto their, onto their product, onto their platforms. Um, and they, one of the things that they talk about, and, and it is true, is that there are um, a, a flood, a constant never ending flood of information and content that's being posted onto their sites. So it is a difficult task, but these are also the people who have changed our world and they're not afraid of difficult tasks. We see in some countries in Europe, where there have been laws enacted that have demanded that social media companies take action against specific expressions of hatred um, within a a narrow uh, designated time frame, and they are able to respond. We've seen through things like the Stop Hate for Profit campaign that took place last summer, um, where over uh, a thousand businesses took part in pressuring social media companies to make change to clean up their sites these companies wanted to disassociate themselves from the very hatred and extremism that was being posted on those sites. So we know that change can take place. Um, We know that if there is the will, they can make a difference. Um, We're seeing some ways and some, and it's uneven. There are some companies that have done a better job than others, and we've seen ways in which that can take effect. So for instance, we saw um, after the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, Twitter deplatforming people and um, in, in, in followers, for instance, of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Within 24 hours, references to QAnon and other QAnon hashtags dropped over 90%. And it actually stayed that way for many, many days, for, for at least two weeks afterwards. Now, there are always new terms and new terminology that are uh, cropping up. There's always ways in which people will innovate to find a, a workaround. Um, but it is, it's just an indication that um, if there is a will and if there is um, significant action, appropriate action taken by social media companies, mm-hmm. they can make a dent in this problem.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, another question. Uh, you did touch on this, but perhaps the person wants a little elaboration. What is the role of lo- uh, local law enforcement? are local police aware of? Issues?
0: I'm sorry, are local police aware police
1: of- aware of these issues.
0: Well, many local police are aware of these issues, but again, um, depending upon the state in which you live, um, some of these actions, some of these extreme forms of harassment may not necessarily be illegal. So for instance, doxing, which is the uh, publication of public of, of documents that are associated with you, um, these may not be private documents. So they could be things like um, you know, the fact that your house is registered in your name in a public document. Well, they could post that online. Now, it is a public document. It's something that's readily available. But if it's done in a certain way, and again, I go back to the phrase, context is key. If it's done in a certain way meant to intimidate or to harass somebody, then there may be something else going on here. And even if that information is supposed to be public, um, it may be being used, it may be being weaponized in a way to harass and and intimidate. So we'd like to see some statutory relief. Um, We've introduced some measures. In, in California and in a few other states. Um, as I mentioned, we've had some early success. We've just started it on this campaign um, where swatting um, was was uh, uh, made a, a criminal offense in the state of Washington, um, but there's much more that can be done. Um, and it takes putting some pressure on uh, the legislatures, state to state by state, to make sure that it's understood that this is criminal activity. It's not just words online. It's not just, um, Uh, free expression, but it actually can lead to real-world action and real-world harm.
1: Okay, thank you. You know, we have time for two questions, and they're both remarkably relevant. Um, uh, um, Some people think that domestic uh, extremism is exaggerated. How do you respond to that?
0: Uh, I think domestic extremism is... um, I don't think that it's being exaggerated. I think if we look at, at what happened on January 6th, we had an insurrection in, our, in the people's house. Um, we had the Capitol being stormed. We had the attempt to uh, disrupt the, the peaceful transfer of power. Um, you know, the rule of law is the bedrock principle upon which our democracy is, is, uh, rests. And to have it being uh, fundamentally challenged in such a way by a group, a small group, relatively speaking, of people who are on the very fringe um, and uh, l- you know, loosely organized in the way that they were. Um, that just demonstrates the, the enormity of the problem. I think some of the other statistics that I showed tonight during the presentation about the increased number um, of hate crimes, the increased violence in the numbers of hate crimes. you know, The only murder that took place in, uh, in the name of hate in the state of California in 2019, was the murder of Lori Gilbert Kay while she was praying at her synagogue in Poway. Um, You know, extremism is deadly. It needs to be taken seriously. Um, And when people are saying that they plan to do things, when they do it online, when they chat about it, when they talk about it, when they hear echo chambers of it on some of these uh, social media platforms, some of these uh, communication sites where they gather, it becomes an echo chamber and they become radicalized. And we've seen ways in which that results in violence and in murder.
1: Okay, thank you. And uh, the final question uh, appropriately is, how concerned are you and the ADL of, of future mass attacks?
0: Well, as I mentioned, um, we have no specific knowledge. Certainly if we did, we'd be um, speaking to law enforcement about it. Um, we have no specific knowledge of, a, of an, any uh, attack that's being planned. Um, or imminent. Um, And yet we've also seen on multiple occasions, um, whether it's at Pittsburgh or El Paso, um, whether it's in Christchurch or elsewhere, how even a single individual, well-armed, can do immense harm and can cause immense damage. Um, And so it's important um, that you speak up when you encounter hate, that if there's something that doesn't seem right, that you say something about it. Again, recall the, um, the case of the, the man that I spoke of in Concord, um, it was only because another gamer on his chat was disturbed by some of the things that he was saying and took him seriously and reported it to law enforcement that he was apprehended. And he was found to be in possession of weapons. And he, was, he seemed to be, by the pattern of his behavior, serious about what he intended to do. Um, so, you know, that, that alleged crime that took place. Um, was only exposed because of somebody who was willing to speak up and say something and that's why it's important for all of us to be in the same way that extremists are being emboldened we need to be emboldened as as um, citizens as um, fellow community members um, as members of community um, that can look out for one another um, and help each other and do the right thing
1: well I want to thank you mr brisk your your presentation was absolutely excellent and um and thank you to everybody who tuned in and i wish everybody a good night
0: you've been listening to the commonwealth club of california hear thousands of our podcasts on apple podcasts google play and stitcher if you like what you've heard please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you go to commonwealthclub.org donate